Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, I've called in. I've called in before. I was just seeing how the uh, linguistics business was going. <laughs> the, the linguistic <laughs> business. Uh, well, it's not really a business yet. It's my intention yeah. to turn it into a business over the next few years. But... Uh, uh, I'm still a little bit ahead of the curve, I think, on where most people are at. I think five years from now, I'll have a sellable uh, commodity, but there just aren't that many people who are aware of the issues right now. Yeah. There's a ton of, a ton of underlying issues, that's for sure, and it's... I try to talk to my friends and the people that, you know, are awake to some of it. And I'm not saying I'm completely awake. I I have paradigm shifts quite often, at least in the last couple of years I have. Yeah. It's just a, it's a real uphill battle just to get, the peop- get people to realize the crap that's on TV. And the stuff. Well, I don't think most people... Uh, actually, I don't try to... I really don't try to convince anybody of any of this stuff. That strikes me as just a, a losing proposition. I'm just looking for those who are already beginning to sense uh, the importance of it. And I think there are a growing number of people there, you know, in that position who are beginning to suspect that language is a crucial factor in every aspect of human existence, really. And... Um, Especially people in the in the so-called spiritual movements and stuff, there, there's quite a few people there who are beginning to wake up to this stuff, and um, you know. But I, I I think it's going to take a couple more years before there's a a large enough percentage of people for me to make a living teaching this stuff. What the um, you mean the New Age movement or what? Well, whatever you want to call it, yeah. I mean, there, that's a that's a really overgeneralization, but I mean, there are lots of people, uh, you know, in the, the consciousness movement or whatever you want to call it, uh, in you know, Eastern philosophy and those kinds of things. New, yeah, New Age stuff. You know, I mean, there's so much nonsense there, but there's a sort of kernel of truth, I think, in a lot of that stuff. And and my experience has been that, you know, many of those people have a sort of intuitive sense that what I'm talking about is useful, you know. But but they're they're still a small percentage of people, though. I mean, the so-called New Agers are really a tiny percent of the total population. Well, I mean, I think individual spirituality is can be a good thing, but I just shy away from group spirituality. That's where, uh, that's where I see the some of the big problems are. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I've never been a join. Well, I mean, I've joined a few things, but never wholeheartedly. You know, I, I, I've, I've been involved in some group things over the years, but I've never really <laughs> been into that. You know. 
Yeah, it was to my was, advantage to do that a few times, but <laughs> it was, you know, that was about it. Well, when you, um, I've uh, researched a little bit into uh, television and the way the uh, the refresh rate, what it does is it shuts off your beta waves, which are your your ability to think critically and analytically, and basically what it does is it puts you in hypnosis. So Absolutely, just, yeah. You're just kind of, you're almost, I don't know how to put it. Uh, oh, it's, in a, it's a trance state. It's yeah, clearly a that, trance state. Yeah, it's yeah. a trance state. So that what the television does is while you're in the trance state, it um, it repeats things enough times that if you watch enough television, it brainwashes your conscience because you're, you're um, no, it brainwashes your subconscious while you're in the trance, and then that, and then that's what you think your conscience is. So you, you're you're in the matrix, and you think, you know, all this garbage that you're bombarded with, you think that's reality when it's it's a bunch of horseshit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's worse so, than that. I mean, uh, people are in trances anyway. I mean, see, that's my whole thing with language is that people are already before they even get to the television. I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years, long before there was TV or radio. People are entranced by the voice in their head. They think that's who they are. They've been raised since infancy to identify with the voice in their head to the point where they think that they actually are doing that. But that's, it's clearly not true. Language is generated by what I call the language machine. I mean, there isn't any time for me to consciously control my language machine and, and generate this sentence that I'm generating right now. I have no idea how this sentence is going to end until it ends. <laughs> you know, I mean... Uh, but isn't isn't but, that your sub isn't that your subconscious where you develop a well, uh, sentence and thought? Um, I mean, well, you're, you're I, I, don't, I don't find yeah the word subconscious I think is just too general a term to be useful. That's why I started calling it the language machine. I mean, the subconscious entails probably hundreds of systems that each have their own dynamics and stuff, and so to just lump it all together as the unconscious doesn't doesn't really help, I don't think. But the language machine is a part of the subconscious. It's an important part of it, and it's something you can actually begin to reprogram. And that can be extremely useful. And basically, the idea is, is breaking the identification with it. I mean, most people, literally, if they hear something come out of their mouth, they actually believe it because they think they said it and it must be true and that they must believe it because they said it. And then tomorrow they'll say just the opposite and believe that. Well, yeah, there's because another word basically for people live in a linguistically induced hypnotic trance. There's another word for that, too, though, in my opinion. That's called a lie. <laughs> people like to lie. I mean, they, they well, blurt out... Well, not even... Yeah, you know, yeah I, I agree. Yeah. They blurt, but, I mean, blurt out bullshit and they, you know, seem to believe it or... You know, there's multiple reasons why people lie. I mean, it's not always evil, but you know, people tend no, to sometimes we, yeah, yeah, sometimes we lie to protect people's feelings and stuff. Yeah, right. No, honey, you're not fat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I, I subscribe to um, 
where you have uh, your conscious and subconscious, and I think uh, there's too many things in our current society that manipulate the subconscious so that we think what we think is conscious is just completely nonsense. I agree with you completely. I, I don't, your language, I mean, I've developed my own language around these things because right. I was really dissatisfied with the language that was available to me to try to talk about these things. But essentially, I, I'm in agreement with you. I just have a different way of talking about it. Well, you're probably, you've probably read more than I have in certain subjects and looked into Well, I've probably deeper. read more than you have on all sorts oh. of stuff, and I'm a lot older than you, too. So, right. I mean, I'm... Right. Uh, so I've been, I've been at this for more than, well, what, about 42 years now. Right. Pretty, I mean, full-time, basically. It's it's really not a... I mean, it's... It, in fact, I realized a few years ago that technically I probably have... O, you know what OCD is? Obsessive-compulsive disorder? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although I don't think of it as a disorder, uh, I'm clearly obsessed with uh, language and its impact on our consciousness and way of life and everything. And um, I don't see it as a disorder, though. I see it as a something that makes my life interesting and a reason to get up in the morning and and you know do stuff. You know, I can't imagine life without my obsessions. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of misguided and even nonsense that they they consider all kinds of diseases and disorders oh, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. in my opinion are just normal normal human behavior that for whatever yeah. reason society thinks that we need to fix them and I'm like well wait yeah. that's that's what makes us human yeah or, uh, like a attention or whatever so-called disorder and stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, yeah. that's clearly, uh, those people have very special skills. They're hampered some ways, you know, in some ways, but they're augmented in other ways, and that's all part of the natural range of human abilities, you know? A lot, a lot of it, I do, I really do believe TV is, <clears throat> is a very dangerous device from what I've searched, researched, looked into, and even... I don't really watch hardly any more TV. I try to limit to it to about a, an hour a day. And I notice that when I do watch quite a bit of it, it's it's just almost as if, I mean, literally your brain shuts down and... Absolutely. And um, I would... Yeah. You know, I would suggest that you just get rid of it. I got rid of my TV about 10 years ago or 15. I don't even remember how long ago. It was a long time ago now. And I tried to control my television consumption for a couple of years, but I really I figured that I I discovered that actually I couldn't. Uh, I was like an addict, and I I went so far as to quit watching live television. What I would do is, if there was a program I wanted to watch, I would record it and then watch it later. That was the idea anyway. But what I discovered was that, you know, in the moments, you know, when you turn on your, uh, this is back in the days of VCRs, you know, uh, when you turn on the VCR and you start to watch the tape, there's about a 30 seconds where the live TV is coming on until the tape kicks in. And I would find that I'd get sucked into that. 
in 30 seconds of live TV, it would somehow capture me. And then like two hours later, I'd wake up and realize I'd been sitting in front of the TV for two hours just watching some shit. You know, and never even got around to watching the thing I had recorded, you know. And that, when yeah. I discovered that, that it was the final straw. The next day, I got rid of the TV, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I've gone three years without it before in the past. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Then I made the mistake of buying another one a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, there's, well, so there's you could probably sell it for something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to get something. Or give it to somebody you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, here's my deal. The the three years that I didn't have a television, the only time I watched it is if I had a friend or a family member or I... Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You can't avoid uh, that. Yeah. I lived in a complex that had a exercise room and I'd watch television while I worked out. That's that's the only exposure I had. But see, but then... When I did start watching television again, I realized the subliminal brainwashing, the um, the obvious brainwashing, the propaganda, all, all that, you know, the Yeah, it's all there. It's all capital propaganda, really. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, too. But, I mean, I mean, they're literally shaping people's perception of reality, and I think that's completely wrong because I've even noticed that people that I hang out with that watch a hell of a lot more television than I do, it's it's as if, like I said, it gets into their subconscious, and then later on, they start acting like people on television. It's weird. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's where they get their role models. That's a major point, actually. Yeah, is that, yeah. You know, a, a long time ago, when p- children grew up, the only role models were actual people in the village, real people, you know? And uh, and that was how they you know I mean if there were a- there were real assholes and real nice people and real old people and real kids and you know real people in their environment and that's what they had to model, but now they're seeing fictional characters who whose motivation is uh, basically capitalist sales, <laughs> you know, and and all the people kids can do now is ape attitudes, and they just you know. They, they they see an image, mm-hmm. and and then they imitate that image. But there's nothing underneath it. It's just a it's just a an image that they're imitating. You know, it's terrifying. You know, there's that there's is. nobody home. They're just just a bunch of robots. Yeah, I mean, I've been guilty of it because I used to, I grew up on television, but in the last oh, me too. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I was lucky. I'm old enough to where I, I, I think I remember when we got our first TV. And so I actually spent the first, like, seven or eight years of my life, which are crucial, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. We lived near a, a little stream, actually. I mean, this was back before all the um, little streams were turned into concrete, uh, you know, waterways, you know, drainage, you know, things in the city. and I And I would spend a lot of my time over in these little streams, you know, looking at frogs and salamanders and digging clay out of the sides and making, you know, I mean, I was in the real world. And then I remember I was, I don't know, about eight years old or so when we got our first TV. And from that moment on, my life changed. 
I mean, that was it. That one night, I remember the night the television showed up, a bunch of neighbors came over, you know, and from that moment, every, every night, that was it. It was television. Yeah. You know, from that moment on until about 15 years ago, even you know, it, it was, uh, I was, just, you know, it's, it's just as scary as hell thinking about it. I'm just yeah, pretty much. very fortunate that I was able to, you know, get out of it, but man. Yeah, for me it wasn't so. Oh, um, yeah, about fifteen years too, because that's when the internet started getting real popular with the web. So about yeah. mid nineties, I got internet access, and I gradually spent less and less time watching TV. Yeah. And yeah. In the last internet has rescued a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. although the internet is. Well, the, the, you can still waste a lot of time on the Internet, yeah. but the, there's a big difference. On the Internet, you have to waste your own time. A television will waste your time for you. You can just sit there, you know, all night and, and veg out, go into a trance, and then go to sleep. And you know, But with the Internet, you actually have to continue to tell it how to waste your time, you know, which is a much better state. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have the choices of what you decide, what... Yeah, yeah, internet. Yeah, they're they're. Well, I I still waste a lot of time, you know. But at least I I do it consciously. I know, okay, I'm wasting time. (laughs) You know, it's not. I like to waste a little bit of time. It's it's not bad, you know. Well, I didn't freak out about television until, like I said, I didn't have one, and then now I can watch TV and and really look at it in a critical viewpoint and actually see what it does whereas before you know you just you just exist with it but until yeah, I, I, I can't remember his name there was a scientist that did some research on television he hooked up some electrodes to a, a woman's brain while she she was watching television and that's when he noticed the the brain pat the brain wave patterns changed so yeah. there's, there's been some scientists that have you know, looked into it, and that's that's what people should be doing. They should be looking at electronic devices like that in a, you know, in a more scientific way, and, and think about well, what yeah. can this do to a person? Well, TV can be useful. I mean, it's again, I think the major problem is the trance that people are already in before they even turn the television on. Uh, that. That's the, the major issue, not not television per se. I mean, uh, I mean, you can watch television on a computer too, so or movies. Right. You know, I mean, I That's I rent true. DVDs and and I have a Netflix account and I can watch streaming movies, and um, you know. But again, like I say, I know. I mean, I'm in control. I have to go to Netflix. I have to choose the movie and then stream it, and and. Uh, so I, I, I'm not so much hung up on television as I mean I got rid of mine. I was hung up enough on it to get rid of it, but but eh, I don't know. I think it's even so the, more important to get rid of it for kids. I mean I, I just think it's oh, tragic yeah. that children grow oh, up yeah. with the television as their babysitter. Yeah, that, that's just sinful almost. There's um there's a few friends of mine that I spent some time with recently and the mom I mean the mom was pretty compared to a lot I think she was pretty good and I you know don't try to judge people but the one thing that was kind of bothersome was 
I think her daughter's probably eight or nine, and she has a television in her room, and she's got tons yeah, of yeah. And, and it seems like, you know, I could just see right there. And even even the questions she she's, you know, for a nine-year-old, she's pretty well-spoken and pretty articulate, but it, yeah. was, it was obvious to me that, that the things that she's watching on television is starting to shape how she is oh, yeah. personal. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell the mother that you know blah 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 blah. I'm not, well, you can I'm certainly not. share your opinion. I mean, if it if it comes up, I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, you don't want to be pushy about it, but you know, uh, you can look for opportunities to share your opinion. Keep an eye open for uh, comments that might clue her in to what she's doing to her child. I mean, I'm sure she must want to raise an intelligent, conscious child who will have a happy life. And if she does, then probably the television is a bad idea. <laughs> well, I'm not socialist, so I, I I just people are going to live their lives the way they want to, and you know. But well, that's fine. Uh, but the little girl well, doesn't know any better. You know, she's being damaged by her parents' unconsciousness. Yeah. Well, I you mean, know? well, they're, they're they they watch a lot of movies. They're um, they like to play video games a lot still. And it's just those two things in combination. Yeah. Just, I just don't. Well, you got to look at the kids, too. And, you know, maybe, you know, it's probably some kids are, you know, I mean, it's not just as simple as, you know, as I was just saying, obviously, it, you know. It, it, but, uh, well, see, I quit hanging around with most homo sapiens. I find them uh, really tedious, <laughs> actually. So I don't have that many friends anymore. <laughs> I have a few good friends. And the rest of the people, I pretty much tell them what I think, and then they decide they don't want to hang around with me anymore, which is just fine. You know, then I don't waste my time with those morons, you know? Yeah, um, um, I have a small group of friends, and I don't really have any, I don't even have any from high school anymore. I completely uh, lost interest of still being friends with any of, you know, my former classmates, but. Um, How old are you? I'm 37. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you're so, at a good age. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've oh, called yeah. in a couple times before, so I've talked to you a couple times before. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean that's a that's a that's a great time. You know, you may live forever. You, are you aware of that? Have we talked oh, about that? That's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't. No, it's not crazy oh, so. at all. That's that's not crazy. I'm not. I mean, forever is crazy, but I mean nothing. I mean, the star won't last forever, but uh, you could easily be alive a thousand years from now. It's something you should start considering. With the technology. Yeah, yeah. As far as um, death uh, is, I guess um, I I think we're probably thirty to forty years away from uh, finding the key to maintaining. I mean. There's always the possibility that, you know, you can get a car accident or you can get a disease that that nobody knows about or something. It's not ridiculous immortality. But the idea of maintaining optimum health indefinitely uh, is, I I think, probably less than 30, 40 years away. That's in your lifetime easily. And there have already, I mean, the stuff that they've already pretty much generated the, the, I mean, the idea of calorie restriction uh, you could probably, if you're lucky and you just take good care of yourself and, and cut your calories down, 
could probably live to be a hundred without much problem. And yeah, in the next... I've, um, <coughs> diet diet is another thing that um, the mo- most people just I I still am guilty of it, but definitely the food we eat is atrocious. I mean that's I yeah. try to talk to people about that and they just don't want to hear it, but. No, all the uh, television is a real and, good. Yeah, television is one of the things that keeps that in place too. Well, and, that, and that's and that's part of the agenda. I mean, that's part of you know the bread. Sure, they want to sell you those McDonald's hamburgers. You know, yeah. they got a yeah. they got a lot of people looking for to get their dividends on their earnings. You know. And, yeah, uh, exactly. And the pharmaceuticals, yeah. the pharmaceuticals pitch their snake oil on on television. And they they want their profits. Yeah, I, yeah, I would, it's, uh, yeah. If people were healthy, what the hell do all the pharmaceutical companies do? <laughs> well, yeah, I've looked into that, and I mean, really, if you really work on your diet, yeah, you'll get sick once in a while, but generally, you shouldn't really become that ill well, until yeah, you're older yeah, when you're immune. Sim- yeah, I was just going to tell you my experience with a very simple experiment that I, for years, I would get sick every year, at least once. I'd get the flu or something like that in the winter, okay? And about uh, 30 years ago, I started taking 10 grams of vitamin C a day, five in the morning and five in the evening. And uh, I have not had a cold in 30 years. Are you serious? Absolutely. Well, I should I've say, gone. Well, let's just say I haven't been in, I mean, I have had a, a runny nose or something for a while, but I haven't been laid up in bed for a day or two, you know, where I couldn't go to work. It was, I've had it, you know, it's just an annoyance, you know, where I get a runny nose or something. Even that is only once every five years or so. Yeah, I haven't had a cold in about three years and then maybe one cold in five years. What I did is I, yeah. I, I don't ingest much sugar. I don't drink pop. I just mostly drink juice and water. Um, yeah. I don't I don't eat butter or margarine or I try to stay away from a lot of the processed stuff, although I still eat some of it, but I generally try to eat, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables and stuff. And yeah. I, I've had a I had an annoying cough, but I, you know, a couple of weeks ago that I wasn't it's not like I couldn't do anything. It was just kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, it's just an annoyance. But, yeah, that's, that's what I get that occasionally too. Yeah, but I, I uh, well, that's just my, and it may not work for everybody. I mean, everybody's body chemistry is unique. Yeah. So the fact that it yeah. did it for me, but I mean, I've I've read about a lot of people who've had the same experience with vitamin C. But people take vitamin C; they take a thousand milligram, you know, one gram a day, and that doesn't do anything. 10 grams a day, 10 of those big pills, five in the morning and five in the evening. That's what I take. And, oh, really? Uh, is that a, yeah. is that a sup- do you supplement that with, um, Oh, I take a lot diet of or supplements. Nutrition? Actually, I take, a, yeah, I take, uh, you know, I take about probably 20 pills a day, I guess, you know, all together, you know, various supplements, melatonin and, yeah. uh, uh, DHEA and uh, you know B supplements and a multivitamin. You know, I just I mean it's just sort of your standard stuff, but but I take them every day. Yeah, from what I've read, everything we need as far as uh, minerals and uh, 
protein and carbs and even fat, it's all it's all there. It's, uh, you can see, find it in yeah. plants. So actually, I would like to get to a kind of artificial diet at some point. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind just having some, you know, something like Soylent Green or something, you know, some little <laughs> cake that has, has everything your body needs. I mean, they can keep people alive in a coma for years and years by just giving them an intravenous solution of all the nutrients their body needs. That's not very good to be in a coma, but, uh, you know, I mean, we, we create stuff like puppy chow and kitty chow. We need to invent people chow. You know, an ideal mixture of all the things that would maybe design for each particular kind of body chemistry. You have a little yeah. cake in the morning and one in the afternoon, and that's yeah. it, you know. I could see that. that. I mean, yeah. Needs. I mean, if we could regulate our body and we would know how much, like you said, calories, how many are sufficient, and um, yeah. percentages of the minerals and the vitamins that are necessary, yeah, I could definitely... Yeah, be prolonging life. But, but again, in our but, culture, you know, food is tied in with all this socializing stuff and I know. psychology and everything. You know, I mean, people couldn't imagine how what would they do if they went out with their friends if they didn't have dinner you know, or or get, well, or get drunk. <laughs> you either got to eat or get drunk. One of the two. <laughs> well, I don't mind beer and you know, dinner once in a while, but but uh, the garbage that they're putting, they're putting like high fructose corn syrup and mercury. Actually, there's some oh, studies yeah. that say that uh, HFC has mercury in it and aceta, or not acetaminophen, uh, aspartame. I completely cut that out because I did enough uh, digging that aspartame is a poison. And that crap is in pop now. So it seems like it's always an uphill battle. I mean, well, you uh, know, you and I are brain damaged. We were brought up, yeah. you know, and, and had it done to us as children. Yep. And I, I, I think of myself as being in language rehab, and I'm probably going to be there the rest of my life. I've cleaned it up a lot. I'm a lot less stupid and unconscious than I used to be. <laughs> But there's plenty left, and, uh, you know, I figure as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be in the business of cleaning up the mess that the culture did to me, you know? Uh, so as far as um, being in a trance with, with before all of the contemporary technology, what do you mean by that? Do you mean by that by a lack of knowledge of of our language, or no? I mean, I mean, literally. If you know anything about, if you've ever studied hypnosis, or, or have you ever seen a, a stage hypnotist work? You know how he gets a bunch of people up on the stage and talks to them for like five minutes, and they all think they're dogs or something. Or you know, after five minutes of him just talking to them, have you I seen that really before? Knew. Well, yeah, but I okay. never well, anyway, thought it was okay. true. So. Oh no! Well, it, there are very few people who are that skilled to do that, but it is true. Right. There are a okay. few hypnotists around who who have the skill or whatever it is that allows them to to do that. And essentially, what they do is take over the person's own language machine by talking at them in very particular ways, and uh, and the voice of the hypnotist becomes their own internal voice, and. 
people are uncritical of the voice in their own head. And what I'm saying is that probably for the last 50,000 years or maybe 100,000 years, human beings have been controlled by the voice in their head. They have been identified with the voice in their head. And that's the trance I'm talking about is people actually think that, you know, whatever comes out of their mouth, and it's not about what you say out loud, it's that internal monologue that goes on uh, constantly. I mean, basically, we have what I call the language machine, and it, ha it has a function, and its job is to basically take all of your sense data and turn it into um, a story, the story of your life, you know? And that story is, is built in language. And essentially what happens by the time someone's 10 or 12 years old, they are completely hypnotized by that voice. It goes on and on all day long and it says, oh, now I'm going to do this and this is important and that's important and oh, they said this and they, you know, and it just goes on and on and on and they actually don't listen to that as, as something that needs to be edited. They just are swept away by that voice. And what I'm interested in doing is breaking that identification so that people can begin to actually reprogram the language machine. Because in your case and mine, that language machine is uh, doing its work in English, and English is a deeply flawed structure for doing any kind of serious thinking. Well, but isn't that uh, voice in your head... Uh when you're thinking, when you're actually thinking? Or is that just... Um, <clears throat> see, I think a lot of people don't think. I mean, I think there's certain certain types of us, meaning individuals or humans or earthlings, whatever you want to call them. Some of Language us think... Some, right. Some of us think more than others, meaning that, that we tend to think more... Be, before we speak or we we think before yeah. we act, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think yeah. a lot of us... But first of all, you have to de define what you mean by think. I mean, because the word okay. think is, is another one of those words that's sort of useless because it covers a lot of ground. When I use the word think, I mean talk to myself or talk out loud. Now, there are other ways we use our brains, or at least that our brains function, that don't involve language that still could be considered thinking. Like if you're a sculptor or a musician, or an athlete, or any number of activities that require thinking, but not necessarily linguistic thinking. But when I use the word think, I'm talking about language thinking, because I think that's you know one of the most important forms of thinking we do, and it's something we can do something about, because you can actually get your handle your hands on it, you know, and, and uh, get a handle on it and do something about the way it functions, you know? Well, what would be a better language? Didn't English come from uh, England? Is well, that's what I'm developing, Earthling. Yeah, I mean, I've developed what I call Earthling, which is a debugged subset of wild English that's designed for clear thinking and accurate communication. And at this point, Earthling consists of basically standard wild English minus what I call the five stupidities. I've identified five either classes of words or specific words that are very common in our thinking that always um, 
impose unconscious erroneous assumptions on our thinking. And uh, so the place I start is by eliminating the five stupidities. And again, the major issue is really just breaking the identification. Once you can listen to the voice in your head and not be swept away by it, you know, or once you can listen to it objectively and realize that the voice in your head is just completely full of shit and saying nothing of any value, uh, that's very helpful. That's a big step forward. Well, I'm afraid that that voice in our heads is socialism. I mean, that's what we get from, you know, the bombardment of socialism. Well, I think you mean socialization, not socialism, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that we are hypnotized into the trance of our culture, you know, and, and, and we have certain ideas about the nature of reality and everything sort of imposed on us from a very early age, and it's all codified in language. Yeah, I would agree. I think socialism is just a offshoot of so, of socialization. Well, socialism is a, a political theory. I mean, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But where do you think most of this garbage is that are in our heads? It's from the propaganda. Oh, I, think it comes, it, uh, I think. Well, it comes from it. It comes from all of it. The no. socialism is just one of the streams. Capitalism right. is another stream. Uh, right. Religion is another one. Uh, I mean, right. There's a thousand streams that go back probably thousands of years into the past, and all those things are still running. But, okay, this is where... So where, where where did those streams come from? I mean, are you are you saying that they are deliberately set or is that just how no no i think it's just the way i think i think you have to really look at time you have to they talk about deep time most people think of their own personal history and they think of history as going back maybe to world war ii or something you know Uh, but to me this stuff goes back at least a hundred thousand years and maybe maybe a lot further i mean Almost all mammals have some form of language, and birds have it. I mean, plenty. Almost, yeah. In fact, most living things have language of some sort. I mean, it's not anything like human language. But, uh, they communicate with that, each other, though. Yes, of course. And, um, and they do it in a sort of linguistic way in, in many species. But it, humans have a very distinctly different way of, of doing it. But well, all I'm saying is this goes back you know, into, uh, well, let's just take it back to the days of, uh, you know, say 50,000 years ago. That's far enough back to get the idea. They had ways of thinking that um, that were serviceable in, in a hunter-gatherer society. You know, if you lived in a cave and you were worried about the cave bear coming in and you knew about fire and how to make stone tools and things, you know, all that stuff, you know, language was a part of all of that, and we've inherited uh, all sorts of stuff, and we've been programmed since infancy by our parents who were programmed by their parents, and it, and it goes back 100,000 years at least. And it, it's got all these different streams and these ideas that have been generated over the last few, you know, thousand years since, you know, civilization began, you know, and Plato and Aristotle and all the philosophers and their 
yeah. political and social ideas, all those things have come into it, and it's extremely complex, you know, and, and I don't, I mean, I certainly don't understand, you know, even a tiny part of it, really. I mean, I, I've got the sort of general outline, but but I don't think we need to know all that stuff, actually. I, it seems real clear to me that breaking the identification does the job. You don't have to really understand all of those streams. Once you're disconnected from all of them, it doesn't make any difference well, where they came from. Well, the word history has story in it. So history is just somebody else's story. It could yeah. be true, it could be, it could be false, it could be bullshit, it could be theory, it could be all kinds of things. Well, it's all theory, that's all it is. Language, right. uh, at best, is like a map, you know, and you can have more than one map for the same territory. So, uh, more than one true map, actually, for the, you know, you can have a topo map and a street map. Right. And uh, nobody would, nobody would, in their right mind, anyway, would argue about which map is the one true map. They'd realize they're both useful for different purposes and keep them both. But it's totally useless to talk about which one is the truth. And, you know, so uh, that, uh, the ways we think all of that, you know, I think it's like that. We have a lot of these maps. Some of them are really inaccurate. Some are accurate. But the problem is that we've become, um, you know, we think that whatever we think is the truth <laughs> rather than merely a way of thinking about things, you know. Well, I support, um, I'm more into individualism and I reject collectivism completely because I think we should all think individually and be individually free and we don't, you know, we don't need groups and we don't Why need does it have to be either? See, that's just exactly what I'm talking about. It's not about choosing between collectivism and individuality. Neither one compromises the other. We need them both fully. You couldn't well, exist without culture. You'd starve to death, and so would I. Well, I you don't... Know, we need each other. Well, in a, in a utopia, I would agree with you, but we are far from a utopia, so then... So I... No, but that's what I, we're working I, on. Well, that's yeah. What I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I avoid absolutes, but... But with this one, I'm going to be a hypocrite, and I really do reject <laughs> collective... Well, I re okay. I reject yeah. I reject collectivism in this when it comes to being I think you can be an individual within um a group of people in a town or a city. But when you get into groupthink, you know, you've got religious groups, you've got political groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you've I got you that. Like say, I think it's the proper application of collectivity and individuality. There are just like the street map and the topo map. If you're going to buy flood right. insurance, you need a topo map. If you're trying to find a way to work, you need a street map. And you don't have to reject the other one just because you're not looking for that right now. Collectivity or the collective, or the the totality, right. whatever you want to call it. I mean, those terms are loaded emotionally. But uh, there's there's something to be said for feeling a sense of belonging to a community and looking in someone's eyes knowing that he's your brother. You know, there's also times when you have to do your own thinking. The question is to know when to do what. <laughs> you know, when it's appropriate uh, to to not subjugate yourself, I'm trying to think what the right word is, but there are times when it's appropriate to give up your your individuality for the good of the whole. 
There are times when that's the right thing to do, when people give their life to save their children or something or other, you know? I mean, there are times for that, but there are other times when you sacrifice the collective for your own individual needs. The question is, how do you know when to do which one? That's not always easy. No, I guess that's something we have to work on. If there were groups that I thought that were, uh, I don't even know how to put it, um, I guess I could embrace them easier if it was a, if, if the the world that we really lived in was was um, the false reality that we live in. If it wasn't so false, I think I could embrace. Well, we need to work to change that, though. That's exactly, I mean, I agree with you completely. The world we live in right now is a com- Well, I'll tell you how I think about this. Maybe this will help. I hope it does. Uh, I use the metaphor of metamorphosis, when a caterpillar turns into the butterfly. Uh, in the beginning, it's all, all the individual cells that make up the body of the caterpillar are doing caterpillar business. You know, everything they do is geared to keep the caterpillar going. But then somewhere along the line, there's a first cell that starts doing some weird shit. It's doing butterfly business, you know, and it doesn't fit in with all the caterpillar cells. It's doing some weird stuff. But then there's another one, and then there's another one, and then eventually uh, you got a butterfly, and there's no more caterpillar, and all the cells are doing uh, butterfly business. And I look at Earth very much like that. I think Earth is going through a transformation, and it's not something humans are in control of. It's something we are embedded in. So it's sort of like each individual human, uh, one way of looking at it, is like a cell that makes up the body of Earth. And right now, about 98% of humans are still doing caterpillar business. <laughs> you know? And... Um, but well, I'm, could, I'm very optimistic that in the next 30 or 40 years, we're going to see the end of nation states, the end of religion as we've known it, and the beginning of the first global, high-tech, enlightened civilization, utopia, if you will, although it won't be perfect in that sense, but mm. it'll, be, it'll be not nearly as stupid as what we've got now. I mean, it'll still have problems, I'm sure, but uh, we can certainly don't need war. And we don't need famine and disease and overpopulation and all this ridiculous shit. We're, you know, it's because these stupid caterpillar people are, are, you know, they're still living in the old way. But that way is collapsing fast. And we have the opportunity, really, to create a new world. Well, there's not even a problem with overpopulation. There's been some people that have done the the mathematics, and they, they allege that if you put all the humans on the planet they could live on about three acres and they would fill up about, oh, I don't know, part of Australia, not even the entire continent. Yeah, but do you want to live there? Well, no, I'm not that's saying kind of I would want to live. live on? No, no, I don't no, no that's, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that a lot of, a lot of like, like, I agree with your theory that, that for thousands of years, the the voices in our head have been telling us bullshit falsehood, stuff that is just, you know, nonsense, fear-mongering, whatever you want to call it. So I'm saying that that's what's going on now. I'm not saying that everything that you just said, I'm not trying to refute everything that you're just saying. I'm just saying that in order for us to evolve into something, a a system that's 
much better than because I totally agree the system we have is just completely ridiculous. I mean, we're all yeah, war. Yeah. We're basically, in my opinion, it's like perpetual war. Everybody's at war with everybody else yeah. for you know for all kind all kinds of different reasons. So I was just yeah. seeing, using the threat of overpopulation as 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 an example. I'm not saying that that I totally think that the the people that think that there isn't a problem are correct and I'm not saying that there isn't a problem. I think yeah, no. there would be a chance that I think what makes more sense is that we become so selfish that we starve ourselves to death. <laughs> That's what I see. That's, That's not selfish. That's just stupid. How do you call well, that selfish that we starve well, that ourselves? Yeah. Oh, do you really think it's necessary that we have homeless people now in this day and age? No, of course not. No, no, we don't need any of this stuff. That's exactly the well, point. Do, no. Well, do you think do you, do you not think it's selfish that there are starving kids and there are homeless people on the planet? Oh, I see what you mean. That's selfish on the part of other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Well, again, I just see it as part of the caterpillar. I, I don't. I don't really worry about the morality or the cause, you know, whether this person or that person is a good person right. or a bad person. Uh, it's just the system, and the system is under is changing, is being transformed. The old system is collapsing. I mean, it's clear to me that nation states, the United States will be gone in 10 years, maybe 20, but I can't imagine it going 20, really. Uh, you know, nation states are over. We, I breathe the poison... Uh, from Chernobyl, and uh, Brazil doesn't own the rainforest. That rainforest makes the oxygen that you and I breathe. Right. You know? Right. We can't afford to have all these little uh, principalities around the planet doing whatever the fuck they want for their own pleasure and destroying the planet. That's not going right. to work. Right, and that includes that includes the United States. Oh, absolutely, and that's what I mean, this collective thing. I mean, we are part of a collective. If, if uh, Brazil has its way, they'll destroy the Amazon in, uh, in our 30 years. There won't be anything left, and that's well, going to dramatically... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I'm, no, just, just, I'm just saying that... Yeah, well, anyway, you know where all this is headed. If we don't, if we don't change some of this stuff, we're going to create a real mess. I mean, you think what we got now is a mess. I don't think you've seen anything yet. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just going to ask you about Brazil. I know they're chopping down the rainforest, but what are they? What are they um, using it for livestock or corn, or what are they replacing all that? Well, all the both, forest with? Oh, they're using it. They're they're doing it with all of that. They're they're turning it in. They're doing slash and burn agriculture. But the, the the agriculture that they do only is because the actually the soil in the Amazon is really very uh, it's not nutrient rich. It requires a lot of fertilizer to, to keep it going. And so what they usually do is they what they do call, call slash and burn. They burn down huge tracts of it. They chop it all up. They plant uh, whatever they can plant. I don't know what they're growing there, but they plant their crops. And in two or three years, the soil is totally depleted. And then they move on and slash, uh, and they leave the mess behind and move on to the next track, burn it down, and, you know. And they're going through something like the size of Delaware every, like, three years now. You know, I mean, they're just destroying it, essentially, and then moving on. That's like that one civilization. There was a a group of um, 
I don't know if this was a real story. Well, you know, again, story. I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. Supposedly there was a, civiliz- yeah, a civilization of humans that lived on a on an island, and they ended up chopping down all their trees for. Yeah, you're talking about Easter you know, Island. Yeah, yeah, and they and they yeah. ended up dying. Yeah. They died out. Well, they're still there. Well, no, they're still there. There are there are still oh, some are? of the natives. It's a, oh yeah, there's a tiny population there few hundred people, but their civilization collapsed. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Completely. Okay. All right. I just rem- remember I thought that they all died. Yeah. That it was the Well, most of them died and moved off. And the ones that are there really uh, live now on tourism, you know, because a lot right. of people oh. go to the uh, to that area to see it. And yeah. the, I think there are a couple hundred natives left, and they... And they basically only exist because, uh, I, mean, I guess they can still grow some crops and stuff, but they really pretty much depend on tourism for survival now. So you're saying that our our um, voice in the head is just from from false... No, I'm saying it's a machine. I'm saying literally. I'm saying the thing that generates the talk. What you're listening to right now isn't me talking, literally. This is my language machine. Of course, my language machine has been seriously reprogrammed from standard operating procedures. But (laughs) essentially, it's uh, it's just, it's a machine. And its job, it, 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 it operates according to the way it's been programmed. You know, like I say, I've reprogrammed significant parts of my language machine. When you talk to most people, I mean, if you listen to most conversations, it's just the same old shit over and over again. They just repeat the same mantras day in, day out. They talk about what was on TV last night or what they're going to do this weekend or blah, blah, blah. It's just a machine, literally, like the computer you're using to talk with me. It's just, it, it's programmed. The language has been programmed in there, and given certain inputs, it makes certain kinds of outputs. It's, I mean, it's not, it's a very, very sophisticated machine. It's way more sophisticated than any computer humans have ever created, so it doesn't just repeat itself, but it stays within certain uh, boundaries, uh, you know, and it just it gets input and it comes up with output. It's all automatic and robotic, period. That's the end of it. But once you realize that that's not who I am, that that voice isn't me, then you can begin to listen to it, take notes, see whether or not it makes sense or not, and begin to change it if you find that some of the stuff that comes out of it is just really stupid. Well, what would you rather see? What would you what would you rather replace it with? Well, like I said, I I developed Earthling, which is, I mean, most of the time that's not a problem. I mean, for most, actually, especially since my language machine has been reprogrammed, it doesn't get me into nearly as much trouble as it used to. <laughs> it still does. I mean, I still, like I say, I haven't by any means cleaned it up completely. I've made some progress, but I still. You know, like when I'm driving, uh, you know, if somebody's really stupid in the lane next to me and drifts into my lane, my language machine immediately kicks with kicks in with you fucking moron. And it's my standard, uh, my standard little uh, thing that my language machine says. It used to say shit, you asshole, but now it says you fucking moron, and it'll probably say something different in a few years. You know, but. The thing is, well, now the minute 
see, the minute I find myself unhappy or tense or fearful or agitated or angry, my cue is now rather than, well, the thing is to be noticed that thing. And when I notice it, the first thing I do is just stop and listen to my language machine and see what it's saying. And But the very act of stopping and listening consciously interrupts the whole process. So, I mean, when I was 21, I remember clearly I had this girlfriend who was a ballet dancer. She was so gorgeous. I loved oh. her, man. She was like my image of everything a guy could possibly want, you know. Uh, and she dumped me. <laughs> and and for, for months... Honestly, for months, I was running this, I was stuck in this story in my head about her, about, oh, God, how terrible life is, and now she's left me, and I'll never, you know, and it went on and on, this story. Eventually, <laughs> I got over it and, and went on. But the thing is, nowadays, I don't stay stuck for months in some stupid story. I, I very seldom stay stuck for more than 30 seconds. I mean, I, I do. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll be stuck for minutes on end. But, I mean, the minute I notice that I'm unhappy or I'm screwed up some way or other, it, it only takes a second to break that cycle. And, and the minute I, I listen to the voice and I hear what it's saying and I realize, oh, I see, I got caught up by the voice again. I got seduced, swept away by the stream of language. I thought that was who I was. Uh, but that just doesn't happen much anymore. I mean, I, like I said, I still do get angry and, you know, fearful and all sorts of unproductive emotions come up. But the thing is, before, I could stay stuck for months in one of those cycles. Now, it, like I say, it's rarely more than a minute. Well, I think there's a lot of illusions that are that are out there that are given to us or that we allow, like you said, you allow your brain to become programmed with and a lot of them one of them that I know a lot of people don't like talking about is I've been obsessed with this theory for probably since I was a teenager but the but the perception of love see love just means an effect a strong affection for some somebody or something well you can have a love for a lot of things but I think but I think I love pizza yeah exactly but you know, romantic love. I think I think society makes it out as some kind of godly event. Some some. Oh no, it's a form of no. mental illness. Excellent. Well, it is an il- it is an illness. Yes, it's it's an illusion. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really doesn't exist. I mean, the, the, no. Well, there's I mean, no I think, such us. You know, it's into the language thing. There is no such thing as love. This is right. one of the five stupidities. It's called right. reification. Uh, it's is an the treating idea, of abstract concept is yeah. yeah right well it, it's an abstraction is the technical right. word in linguistics and words okay. like freedom dignity honor happiness democracy uh, all those words they are not things there's no such thing as any of them not in the same sense as there is a computer screen and a cup and a book and a pen and a fingernail those are actually things. But English right. fails to make that distinction in the noun structure of it, of it. and so people are constantly uh, mistaking abstract concepts for actual things. And that failure leads to so much confusion in the world that, it, like I say, if that alone could be cleared up, uh, it, it would make a huge, huge difference. In fact, let me, I'm going to put a, a, a link in the room, and you can go 
play with this concept because uh, I, I, this is, I think, really a crucial, uh, a crucial issue. And a friend of mine built this little demonstration that that plays with the idea of how meaningless words like freedom, dignity, happiness, love, honor, integrity, how those words can be switched around indiscriminately, and it still sounds like it ought to mean something. <laughs> well, but there's but when you're really, I'm not even that far into it, but from. I try to look up words in the dictionary because I try to be accurate because I don't know when I yeah, have discussions about this with well when I have discussions about this with people and they look at me like I'm crazy at least I want to I want to tell them that it, this is the dictionary meaning or blah 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 just so you know just so yeah. I can have some kind of basis of yeah. why I talk the way I do and so yeah. there are there are there are so many words that are just ideologies or abstract thoughts. I mean, that's all they are. Yeah, they're absolutely. Yeah, they're illusions that are created from the language for I don't know what reason. I mean, yeah, that well, I can't answer you. But the the, the problem, well, no, they're very <laughs> those abstractions can be very helpful. But you, you you just have to remember that they don't exist. They're not things, you know, in the same right. sense that a that a doorknob is a thing. Right. They're not like that. They're of a completely different order of reality. And the failure to make uh -huh. that distinction is, I would say, again, a form of brain damage, a linguistic pathology that, again, would be relatively... Children pick up on this. I mean, any eight-year-old can understand this distinction. Yes, of course, there's no such thing as love. I mean, right. like I say, that's just not that difficult to grasp. The problem is, is that once you've had it programmed in you, by the time you're 20, you're brain dead, and people don't want to hear that, <laughs> you know? Well, it's just like all, you know, religion and uh, government, and those are just ideologies. But, I mean, yep, just... They're be they're taken too seriously and they divide us and you know the the typical nonsense. <laughs> so are are you are you saying that you would prefer a language that? Well, I mean, I guess they could the the language could d distinguish the differences. I well, mean, you can use those. No, what, it's not about the language. I would prefer. I would prefer people who understood these things. Oh, okay. It's quite possible to use any of these words like love and stuff. The problem is when you're under the, again, when you're identified with your language machine and you don't realize that it's just a machine, then you're really just a robot. And what we need is conscious human beings, not a bunch of language monkeys. So our, your earthling language could include English. It would just be people that could. Well, it's a debug earn. subset. Wild English is what I say. I mean, it's basically English minus the five stupidities. It's, 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 it doesn't sound any different than regular English, except that it's just lacking some of the really stupid structures that get people in, in trouble. Well, isn't, is there Latin in English or what? Pardon? What, is, there, is there Latin in, in English? English came, the English language that Americans use came from England, right? You know, you're breaking up a little bit, so say that again. I, I didn't get all of it. I was... Where, where are the actual origins of the English language? 
Oh, well, English goes back. I mean, English is really a form of German, actually. German, oh, okay. I mean, English is almost an artificial language, really. It's, uh, it's been heavily Frenchified and Latinized, and uh, originally it was a form of Northern German. It was a Northern German dialect, the Saxons. And uh, if you go back to uh, the year 1000, I mean, there was, uh, there was something like English, but you wouldn't understand it, neither would I. Uh, it, it sounded a lot more like German, actually, at the time, Dutch. And the whole Northern European uh, group of languages is where English came from. So, so structurally, when, it's when, almost... Yeah, go ahead. So when did all the different languages branch... Did they branch off from something? Oh, yeah. They, you, know, you, know, you know, this is one of the great mysteries... Uh, of the world, really. I mean, I, like I say, I've been studying language for a long time now, and there is basically no generally accepted theory about the origins of language, whether it came one time first, and then that original language split off into a bunch of different languages over the last 30,000 years or so, or, or whether it arose independently. There's no general consensus on how far back it goes. Most people think it goes back at least 50,000 years. Other people think it goes back uh, several hundred thousand years, although probably not in the same form. Uh, and and a, a number of people are under the impression that all of the languages of Earth right now can trace themselves back to uh, a single ancestor language maybe 20,000 years ago. But I mean, those are all different theories, and, and nobody, you know, I mean, each one of them has their group of supporters. <laughs> nobody really knows, you know. It's a great mystery. That's one of the fun things about it. <laughs> well, I definitely think animals communicate. Why else would they make all those noises? Oh, of course they do. Yeah, and oh. so do birds. And so do yeah. actually trees. Oh, yeah. Trees actually communicate with each other. They, they give off chemicals. Uh, if, if one tree is attacked by a certain kind of insect, it gives off chemicals in the air, and that other trees perceive that and start manufacturing antibiotics that counter that particular insect. That is great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's, the whole world is interconnected in ways that, you know, most people just never even think about. You know, it's really like, that's why I say when you have to, to see that the Earth itself is really very much like a single living organism. You know, like your body is composed of billions of individual cells organized into organs like livers and pancreas and muscle tissue and all that. And yet out of all that, there's you and me sitting here talking. But, you know, the cells that make up my skin haven't gotten much of a clue <laughs> about what you and I are talking about. And that sort of gets into some mystical sides of uh, how I view the Earth. I mean, I think really Earth itself is probably bordering on consciousness as a single living entity. And we are part of that somehow in the same way that the individual cells that make up your brain are part of you and me. Yeah, they all make up organs, and certain organs do certain things, and amazingly enough, we have a brain, and that does something, and then we have a mouth attached to it. I mean, yeah. it's pretty amazing when you think about the all the systems in our bodies that it 
It works. Oh, no, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. The and problem I inside cell and look at the complexities of an individual living cell. Oh yeah, and, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's, it's well, just uh, it's mind numbing. You know, I mean, you realize that we haven't even got a clue how, how to explain the the miracle of how a single cell does what it does. Right. Well, even the computer. So we don't really know very much about the universe yet. <laughs> no, no, I don't think we do. No, we can't. We can't explain ninety-five percent of anything, but there sure are a lot of people it. that think yeah. and explain everything. I mean, seriously, that's the problem where I see. That's why I like listen to your to your talks and uh, your theories and stuff because I agree with. With quite a bit of that major problem. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. That's why I come here. I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff, and I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty interesting stuff. And I know there are, you know, most people don't enjoy what what goes on here, but I know that there's a small number of people out there who are interested in these kinds of ideas, and that's why I keep doing it. You know, because I know there's a small number of people right now. You know, we are a small percentage of the total of humanity, but my guess, my hope, is that we are a growing small percentage and that, in fact, we are the seeds of a new species, actually. Well, I think there's just a lot of distractions out there. I mean, there's so many breads and circuses that an individual can get involved with that, you know, and that the education system is lacking. They don't really teach you to oh, yeah. think outside the box. And I mean, I could go on and on about all that stuff. Well, the, yeah, yeah. Well, there are places where that's going on. Like I said, I'm very optimistic about the future. Uh, I, I think, uh, well, I, all, I, all I can say is I'm really optimistic. Uh, I think uh, right now we're early in this thing. Like I say, when the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, there, there's no question. I mean, there isn't always a butterfly. Sometimes the caterpillar dies in the process of metamorphosis and there isn't a butterfly. But the one thing that's really clear is that the, it's over for the butterfly or the, it's over for the caterpillar. You know, the old ways that have been here in place on this planet don't function anymore. They're increasingly dysfunctional and it's over. The only real issue is, are we going to be able to create something newer and better? And I think, I think again, it's not us. I think it's Earth itself. I think Earth. I see Earth as a as a living organism, as a member of a species. I think if you take any planet of a certain chemical composition and put it at a certain distance from a certain kind of star, you're going to get something like Earth. And there probably are billions of other Earths around the universe that are members of the same species as our Earth is, and that they're developing uh, just along the same lines and that this is a perfectly natural sequence of events. It's just difficult for us to to understand it since we've never seen it. I mean, imagine if you had a pet caterpillar and you'd never seen a caterpillar before, you know, and you've got this great little pet caterpillar and then one day it starts, it goes into this cocoon and it literally starts to fall apart. You would think this is some terrible tragedy. My poor caterpillar is dying. It's falling apart. But it's not. It's just going through a natural uh, developmental phase. And if you, as long as you don't interfere with it, uh, eventually you'll end up with a, a butterfly. 
And I think that that's um, pretty much what's going on on Earth. Earth is metamorphosing from what it was into whatever it is it's going to become. Yeah, humans, even when when they're born, they have cartilage and stuff like that, and then that transforms into bone. So there's a little bit... Well, and it goes through phases, too. It, it, it looks a lot yeah. like a fish at one point, and then it looks yeah. like other things. It goes through a whole series of... And huge uh, cell death is a part of it. Uh, organs get... Or not organs, but areas develop, and then later uh, the entire area dies. The, all the cells in an area die, and the death leads to uh, the formation of joints and things. I mean, it's all, again, we just, it's hard to see that when we look at the planet to realize that we're embedded in a coherent system. It's not just us in control. We're, we're part of a larger ongoing uh, system called Earth and, and the universe ultimately. <laughs> but you know, Earth is good enough for now. Yeah, I mean, as long as we take care of it. That's definitely uh, something, a priority. Although I think global warming, man-made global warming is a bunch of BS, but um, but there's definitely a lot of things that we're doing to the planet that probably aren't a good idea. But well, I, I'm just excited uh, to be alive right now. I just can't imagine a better time to be alive. It's just, it's just awesome, you know. Well, I mean, a lot of good things to be born, of, to be alive right now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you really think that uh, in about what did what did you say? Twenty, thirty years, they'll they'll have the science that humans will be, be able to live how long? I'm sorry. Say it again. You earlier earlier you said that that you think in a I don't know twenty or thirty years there'll be technology advances in medicine that that will allow humans to live for how long? I think you said oh, something like well indefinitely. I mean it, until until something kills you. You know I just think what we'll be able to do is end the aging process. Which doesn't mean you'll live forever necessarily. I mean, you know, like I say, there'll still be diseases. You can fall off a cliff or someone can shoot you or something and you'll yeah. be dead. But uh, but we, I, I don't see any reason why we can't end the aging process and maintain optimum health pretty much indefinitely. How, how, would, uh, how would you do that? Huh? How would you, How would you do that? Oh, I don't know the details of it. Um, I can give you another link where they do talk about that, though. I mean, th- there's a lot of lot of information about this stuff. This isn't something yeah. I just, you know, came up with out of my hat. You know, uh, let me see here. Yeah, I'm even um, even. Well, you know, they've done heart transplants and they've got artificial hearts. I think that would be huge too if uh if you had a faulty organ that would you know that's pretty that would uh could be life threatening if you didn't have that replaced and then you just used an artificial one or you know something like that. I mean, can you imagine having an artificial heart that wouldn't fail or if it you know it would pump for a long time? 
Um, well, you know, I don't know. I'm going to send you another link here. This one, this one is pretty, uh, pretty far out. Uh, but hold on, I mean, I'm going to make sure. Okay. Because I mean, your heart, all your heart is, is really a pump. It's just a pump. Yeah. You know. So. No, but I mean, there's no reason why the heart couldn't just maintain itself in optimum uh, condition indefinitely. I guess that's possible. Just continue to replace the cells, you know? Are you talking about, like, um, what is that where they take cells from um, one one part of the organ and put it in a different organ? Stem cells. Are you talking about, like, stem cell research and stuff like that? Well, I I mean, that's all part of it. I I, I don't know. I mean, these answers haven't come down yet. There's just little, there are hints of all this stuff showing up. For some reason, this um, link that I had doesn't seem to be working, and I'm not quite sure why. Let's see. Hold on. Let me, maybe they changed the link here. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little search here to try and get a link to the actual video. This is three hours, three hours long. Okay, I think I found it. Kurt Smile. <laughs> okay, I think this is it. Do you know who Ray Kurzweil is? No, I don't think. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> See, I can well, this is a, a three-hour. That link I just put in there is a three-hour video interview with uh, Ray Kurzweil. He's uh, one. Of, well, if you do a look him up in the Wikipedia, you'll see he's one of the most prolific inventors and thinkers of the 20th century. I mean, one of the most. Amazing. He's the guy that invented uh, optical character recognition, you know, scanning uh, documents and having it convert oh, really? to text and, and oh, then God. converting uh, text to spoken uh, words. He invented oh, the first cool. synthesizer. Uh, he's an amazing guy, but he's done even more amazing stuff. And this particular program is, uh, is a three-hour interview with him. Uh, it's long, but it's quite detailed, and uh, I think one of the most interesting things I've seen in a long time. And one of the things he's he's talking about is um, just this this life extension stuff about basically living forever. I mean, he he's sort of out outrageous in the way he talks about it, but but uh, you know, anyway, it's an interesting interview. And I think you'll probably have a lot of fun oh. listening to it. Yeah, I like physics and stuff like that. Um, I I don't know. I look into medicine and biology a little bit. I think a lot of a lot of it is bullshit. Not not the studying, but just the you know all these pharmaceuticals and you know yeah. crap that doctors prescribe and <clears throat> yeah. I just think there's there's that that aspect of it um 
I just don't think there's nearly as many diseases and, you know, I mean, they even say acid reflux is a disease now. And it's just complete, in my opinion, that's just complete absurd. It's complete nonsense. Well, we need to rethink everything. I think basically most of our ideas about just about everything are just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's just really simple, you know. You know, I mean, we look at so-called primitive societies and their theories, you know, that the whole world exists on the back of the turtle god, and we say, oh, how stupid, you know. (laughs) Well, I think that probably 50 years from now, we're going to look back at the way most humans thought about life now, and we're going to say pretty much the same thing. You know, how dumb could they have been? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm any smarter. I'm just saying that when you look into things, it's just complete stupidity a lot of the times. Well, you first think that you begin to be aware of how inadequate our thinking and our knowledge is. That's the beginning. It doesn't make you any smarter, but it makes you a lot less stupid. <laughs> you know, and, and less, <laughs> less stupid goes a long way. You know, you don't have to be any smarter. Just eliminate some of the stupidity, and that's a, that's a huge advantage. That's why I, my, my thing about debugging English, I think, is, is so important. Because we don't have to really be more smart. We can just dump a lot of the stupidity, and we're going to be a lot better (laughs) off. Well, I mean, common sense is good, too. I mean... Well, unfortunately, a lot of common sense is really not all that smart. Most common sense, actually, I think. I mean, some of it is sensible, but a lot of stuff that everybody accepts is just common sense is really not all that sensible. (laughs) Well, I, I, there's, there's brilliant, br- I've had brilliant friends that were just amazing. I mean, they were like literally walking um, encyclopedias, but then when it came to, in my my definition of common sense, I mean, they were just Yeah, amazing. well, being intelligent is a complete independent variable from being conscious. I think... Well, yeah, that's a relative term. I know totally. plenty of people who are quite intelligent, but they're, totally. I would say, totally unconscious. I agree. I, I totally think that uh, intelligence is relative. I mean, I think you can you can be uh, a genius in common sense and be just as intelligent as somebody that uh, might be, you know, encyclopedia smart or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, all right, yeah. There's lots of different ways. Intelligence is just one fact. And and I say there are lots of different kinds of intelligences. And even if you'd look at all of the different kinds of intelligence, um, you know, I mean, that's still intelligence. There's also sensitivity, there's empathy, there's consciousness, awareness. How about compassion? Yeah, all those things. Compassion. Yeah, they're all independent, you know, and they're all nice to have. And, and there's nothing I, wrong with intelligence. Intelligence is a nice thing, but it's not enough by itself. No, probably not. But I just, um, I, I see humans as, we're, we're just sophisticated monkeys, in my opinion. I mean, that's yeah, I call them language are. monkeys. Yeah. You call them nat- language monkeys. I just call the average yeah. person uh, just a sophisticated monkey. I mean, when you look, yeah. observe how monkeys act, yeah, we yeah, act, that's pretty we act much it. Yeah, I except mean, we, we wear shoes. Like... Yeah, <laughs> don't shit the nest usually. <laughs> that's that's why I use the word sophisticated. 
Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah, we, it's clear we are. I mean, we're a, a sort of very well, but we're a very spec. I mean, language monkeys. That the other thing is, I don't think we're really a species. Actually, I think that the language monkeys are just an interim between monkeys and this next species that is emerging right now. Um, well, the mon- monkeys and chimpanzees, they have their own languages, and so do we. That's why I just think our form of our form of habitating, cohabitating, whatever you want to call it or describe it, and our our type of language is a, a, a more sophisticated form of cohabitating and communicating than, you know... Well, language is really the difference. I mean, it's the form of language that we have. And, and ultimately, if you really want to get down to it, what's different between us and the monkeys is that we have written language. We can store yeah. information outside That's of our body and begin to accumulate knowledge. When a monkey true. dies, all of its knowledge dies with it. But when a human dies, if he's written down anything, his knowledge survives and he can pass it on to future generations even after he's dead. And that accumulation of knowledge over thousands of years since writing was invented is really what makes us different than all the other animals on this planet. We're able to accumulate knowledge across generations. No other animal can do that. What do you think, what are your thoughts on Darwin? I'm sorry, say it again? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on of Darwin? You know Darwin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, well. That's pretty old now. I mean, his theories were good at the time. His theories were wrong about a lot of stuff. Uh, Punctuated equilibrium. Have you heard that term before? I haven't. I haven't looked into that. The current theory in evolution is called punctuated equilibrium. Darwin sort of viewed evolution as this very slow process that took millions of years for new species to emerge. Um, the problem is the fossil record has never supported that. What the fossil record shows is you got one species and then, boom, it's gone and it's replaced by another species that's clearly related to it, but there are very few uh, intermediate fossils between these species. What you just have is one replaced by another, and they keep, and of course the creationists have jumped all over this from the beginning and, you know, tried to say that evolution was wrong. In the 1960s, Stephen Gould and another guy whose name I never can remember uh, wrote an article for some journal in which they said, look, the truth is evolution doesn't work that way. It's not slow. The way it works is, well, first they said two things. First of all, species don't evolve. Ecosystems evolve. This point, you can't talk about a single species evolving I mean, they evolve because the whole system is changing, and as long as the system remains stable, there's no none of the components are going to change. But what happens is these ecosystems stay stable for sometimes millions of years, and there's just a little bit of fluctuation, you know, up and down here, little changes, minor, you know, drifts and stuff. And then, for some reason that nobody knows yet, Something happens, something gets pushed too far, and the whole system is transformed. And new species emerge in a matter of hundreds or even tens of generations. So that evolution is a very fast thing. It's not this gradual thing. It, it, it remains, and that's where the word punctuated equilibrium. There are long periods of equilibrium 
punctuated by periods of rapid transformation, and then a new stability comes into play. And that's clearly what we are just coming through right now. We have been living for the last 40,000 years in one of those punctuations. A new species is emerging, us. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so that's quite different than Darwin uh, envisioned it. Um, And again, I'm sorry, pardon? Do you think it's possible, though, that humans may have evolved from monkeys? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. Well, not not from monkey. I mean, well, monkey, that's just a generalization. I mean, I think our bodies bodies have a history. We have a genetic inheritance. And, you know, we share 99% of our genes with uh, chimps. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think that's thought, debatable. <laughs> oh, I thought that too, but I most people that I talk to about the the similarities are there. I mean, you can do you, you if you just look at the ears. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't see any. I don't see any issue there, really. I mean, I don't see anyone. Well, but see, but see, you're only one of them. Maybe one other person that I said that, and they agreed. And it's not about agreeing or being right or wrong. It's most people that I talk to about that, they just completely freak out. Some of them will laugh at me. Some will just... They laugh at you because you said humans came from, uh, uh, you know, uh, are evolved from other organisms. Well, then you're talking to a bunch of morons. Who are you talking to? Well, I know that. Well... Why do you talk to them? I don't know. The thing is, I don't talk to people like that anymore. I just gave up. Well, I understand that. Like I said, I have a small circle of friends. <clears throat> um, for the most part, I'm pretty antisocial because when you get out in the matrix, it's just, for me... It's oh, yeah, not, I would be too if I was not, hanging around with people like that. Yeah, I'd... Yeah, well, it's not I'd, pleasant. Yeah, no, well, you know, go, you hang around with them? You need to get yourself some new friends. Well, because... Well, look, I mean, look what I have to, look what I have to yeah. work with. Most... Well, I'm not saying... I'm not saying all people are like this, but most of society is, they're into breads and circuses. They're into watching television, playing video games, you know, blah, 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 blah. You're going to have to get used to that. You're going to have to get used to the fact, ah, okay, yeah. See, I guess I've just gotten used to this. I'm 60, almost 64, and a long time ago, I realized that the vast majority of humans were not anything I wanted to be involved with. I was only going to have people in my life who actually contributed and energized my life. Anybody who drugged me down or was, you know, ancient in their stupid thinking, I just simply cut them out of my life. So consequently, I was a hermit for a long time. I had no friends. Well, I had a few friends, and I just spent a lot of time by myself. It's the Internet that saved me. I know hundreds of people now all over the planet that I talk to almost daily uh, I mean, not all of them in one day, but I mean, I, you know, I know lots of people that, that, that you know, think of, about and are interested in a lot of the same things I'm interested in, you know, and th- those people that you're talking about, I almost never have any interactions with them. I'm aware that that's the majority of humanity. I have no interest in them. I'm interested in the new species, not the old species, and those people are all the language monkeys and I have, you know, uh, basically, I just don't have anything to do with them. Well, I but mean, I, I'm I an think, asshole. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know? Well, I, yeah, 
I agree there, <laughs> but <laughs> well, but you know, I mean, I think I think they're stuck. I'm not saying that you know, like I said before, I have paradigm shifts. You know, I don't know what yeah. it'll be like in a month or a year. As of right yeah. now, I really the most of society is stuck in this matrix that is Absolutely. is created for them by other people. Yeah, and most the only thing I can, probably ninety-eight percent of the world. I think yeah, I would agree right. with that. I agree with that. They're in a false reality that just doesn't exist in the television, in the radio, and t yeah, and yeah. magazines and newspapers. And all I can do is I can just try to talk to people and point to them and say, "Look, yeah, this is this." They don't want to hear that. They, they I know they don't want to hear that. But see, I was in, I was stuck in the matrix until I stopped watching TV and I I stopped reading yeah. newspapers and I stopped you know a lot of that crap. Yeah. So I think well, I think you have to you have to shut yourself. If my opinion, you have to shut yourself off from that those kinds of distractions or. Well, I did. Or, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I did. And then and, and then you realize you did too. Yeah. You can't. When when I talk to somebody that is in the ninety percent of the people that you're talking about, no, they're going to think I'm a loon and they're not going to see it. All's I yeah. all's I I don't know I don't know why I do it. It's just that I some people are awake. Some people realize that television is propaganda. All I can do is try to but, talk to those yeah, people. Yeah, there are some people who are, but you, well, see, I've been doing this longer than you have, so right. you know, I've developed some strategies here. Uh, basically, I don't talk about this stuff with most humans unless I see some clear sign. Basically, right. unless they ask me. If they ask me, I'll, I'll talk forever. You know, if, if they're actually interested. But uh, like, I go to work. I work at a newspaper uh, three days a week, and I go in there and I do my job, and I leave. And I'm polite. Well, no, I'm not even polite, but I, I'm lucky I'm in a position where I don't need to be. I, I can pretty much do my job by myself. But, I mean, I get along with people more or less. They think I'm a little strange, but that's okay. You know, but I know how to interact with language monkeys. I can go to the market and stand in line and, 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 and uh, respond to somebody who talks about something that they saw on TV or something, even though I don't know what they're talking about. I can smile and you know, and pretend like I know what they're talking about. And so that's the way I deal with most humans is I just sort of, you know, pass myself off as one of them and I try not to get them upset because they can be really nasty when you push the wrong buttons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I basically just keep my mouth shut and smile Unless, like I say, they ask if they or if I if I get some sense that maybe they might be interested, you know. But generally, I just don't talk to them about this kind of stuff because it's I think very unproductive. It gets them angry, gets me upset, and um, you know, it's just not a it's not a situation that I want to be involved in. Well, I don't talk about this with everybody. I I talk about like you said. I, I met a girl probably eight years ago that we did, we t- talked a little bit philosophically, but one time we were drunk, and all of a sudden she she made a monkey face like a chimpanzee, and then she um, tilted her ears just just right, and she yeah. looked like a chimpanzee. And I know what I know what why she did that. Now the other girl that was with us didn't have a clue, and that's not my point. 
my point was is the one the girl that did think that humans evolved from chimpanzees i mean i thought she was awake so people like that i will try to talk about this stuff with yeah but i mean i just see i mean there's just so many we're like you know we're in a, a global enslavement system and i think a lot of the, all all this stuff that we talk about in my opinion is why the language monkeys or whatever you want to call them i think that's why they act the way they do is because there there's a lot of fucked up things in our world well they're hypnotized that, i mean basically they're entranced they're unconscious robots and and that's not bad that's that's they're all part of the caterpillar see i mean i think it's important that the caterpillar not fall apart too quickly, because if it falls apart too quickly, there won't be a butterfly. This is a very delicate dance that has to go on in this transition period. And uh, we need somebody to get the frozen peas to the supermarket so that I don't starve to death. You know? And so all these unconscious language robots are fulfilling a function. And it's an important function. I just don't want anything to do with them. I'm busy building the butterfly. They're busy maintaining the caterpillar. That's okay. You know, this, there's nothing wrong with that. That's it's all. That's how it works. I mean, the caterp the butterfly isn't better than the caterpillar. The cells that make up the, you know, I mean, it's not about that. It's about there's a time for a caterpillar, and then there's a time for a butterfly, and there's a process of getting from one to the next, and that's what we're doing. We're in that process now. So well, I, I agree that I do agree that uh, interacting with a lot of people is almost like walking on eggshells, and I've noticed that this is just my theory and just you know my thoughts. It seems to be getting worse. Even even when since when I've graduated high school, that was uh, 18 years ago. I mean, it's just society. I mean, I know you you, you have a Where positive outlook. Where do you well, live? Well, I have a. Oh, I live in Colorado, Denver. Oh really? God, I would think yeah, I live in a less enlightened place. I'm surprised to hear that. Well, you I just live must in, be hanging out with a bunch of wrong people. You need to no, find a new circle of friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I really think that that I really think that not all people are like that. I j- I really think that deep down in my mind, the television and the radio and the media has a lot to do. It's literally programming the way people act. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, know, yeah, sure. yeah, I, mean I, I think that's a huge problem. And that's the one of the things that I try, I'm trying to get other people to see and try to overcome. And then I think, then I definitely see a much brighter future. I mean, the technology we have. The, well, even, I would encourage you to continue doing what you think you need to do to participate in this transformation of Earth. You know, we well, all have different just, parts to play, you know. It's and, such and a struggle, though. It's a, it's a struggle yeah. to even communicate with people. I mean, I don't know if it's just me and I'm antisocial, but I think it's gotten worse since, since you know, you know, over 18 years. I can't imagine. Well, I think it was you like need forced. to pick your people more carefully. That's the thing is, I, I, I started out more of an evangelist than I am now. And years have taught me that it really is a waste of time to talk to the vast majority of these people because it's not going to change them and it's just going to piss them off and it's not really going to help and it's just going to be wasting my time. My sense is the real hope is for the next couple generations of children. But that's where we need to put our efforts. Not changing the minds of already brain-dead adults. 
I mean, it's possible, but most of them are just not going to change. They're going to go to their graves thinking the same old stupid shit they've been believing. That's the way they were programmed. That's the way they're probably going to die. So be it. Move on. <laughs> you know, well, I, and some of them will change. But the thing is, you need to find out. You need to get subtle enough and clever enough at identifying which ones aren't a waste of time to talk to. It's not easy. Well, it's hard for I need to find people that that aren't uh, uh, that aren't brainwashed by the false reality that television and the media. Well, almost everybody brain. is, though. Well, but that's almost what I'm saying. Everybody so it's, is. Hard, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to find people that aren't. In the yeah. knowing the main, okay. knowing the yeah, main you're right. It is, it, it's, why do you think I come here? This well, is, I mean, in my this, age, this I'm 37. Find, so yeah, well, so you found this early. See, I didn't even discover this until about five years ago. So up until about five years ago, I was very frustrated because you know the chances of finding people who are interested in this stuff in the physical environment are very slim. I'm sitting in a Starbucks right now surrounded by 30 or 40 people. I have no, I mean, I assume most of them are a bunch of unconscious language monkeys. There may be one or two here who are open to this stuff, but I don't know who they are. I can't look around and see them. I can't put a little sign on the desk, come and talk to me about evolution, or the manager would probably come over and throw my ass out of here. (laughs) You know, so basically I was a very lonely guy up until about four years ago. Well, it was 2006 when I started you know, using the the internet to meet people, and my whole life has been changed since then. I'm no longer alone. I know, like I say, hundreds of people now. You know, I mean, we don't all agree about everything or even anything, but we're all interested in the same ideas uh, and, and share a lot. And I feel like these people are now my comrades, my brothers and sisters. And I never had that before. That's all come about through the matrix. <laughs> yeah, internet is part of the matrix. So, so yeah, well, it's it, it's awesome. You know, the, I mean, you and I never would have met if it wasn't for this. Yep, that's true. You know, and most of the people who are important to me now, I, in fact, probably most of the people who I really like and who are important to me mentally, psychologically, I don't even know what many, most of them look like, actually. I've met a couple of them. I mean, some of them I've met live here in Southern California, and I've, you know, met them. But most of the people, I don't even know what they look like. Some of them I've seen pictures of, you know, but, uh, but I don't even care. That's not important to me. The fact is, we can talk, and and I feel like I'm connected to them. And I didn't have yeah. that before. And you can begin to use this the same way. You should be doing your own rooms here. Yeah, it's just, I just, I kind of like, I mean, I do a, like a lot of the stuff that we have now, you know. I mean, getting in a car. I like to be outside a lot, even though I don't, because in it, you know, in a urban area, it's just, difficult for me to uh, to interact with a lot of people but I like to go out and I still go to the clubs once in a while and bars and I like to be around yeah. people but it's just it's just difficult because they they're just yeah I know the ones I got that it. I tend to hang out with they just it's it's hard to describe it's just yeah no it's listen I know exactly what you're talking about because I lived that for 30 years I mean, I wasn't really a hermit, but I mean, nobody I knew I was 
I, I just felt like, you know, I mean, I couldn't talk about the stuff that was really important to me. If I did, they thought I was just weird, yep. you know, and some of them got yep. pissed off, actually, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> you know, so I, it just it was very frustrating. And it wasn't until, like I say, 2006, when I discovered Skype casting that I, I realized that there were thousands of other people around the planet feeling the same frustration I was. Uh, because they couldn't run in, couldn't meet people that felt like that too. But now we can, and you got to use the tools. And the internet is one of the most powerful tools that's ever existed for for doing this. Yeah, I just see society as two. Uh, it's almost as if they are edgy, and they are. I see. I mean, I try to. I try not to criticize people, and I try not. I don't like to insult people. I don't like getting into other people's business because I feel that's their life. They they need to live their own lives. And it's just the people that I hang out with, and I end up, you know, becoming friends with. They just they start criticizing you, or they you know start trying. You know, they're not happy with how you're living your life, or they insult. Insults really piss me off the most. I mean, that. Well, I know. I know. I, don't I know. Yeah. Well, you should have, but you should be aware of that to begin with. I mean, I guess you are. That's what you're beginning to wake up with. Well, I see, I'm, be- yeah. I'm beginning to wake up to it because I always thought it was me because of my past. I'm antisocial, yeah. but I, but I've had periods of times in my life where I was pretty, you know, I had a lot of friends. Yeah, but it's yeah, just, me too. Yeah. Since I've gotten older, those those certain traits have bothered me, and I've just now realized where they're coming from and why. And so, you know, yeah. I, so it's you know, your theory of, you know, language monkeys. I mean, I agree with it. And so that's, yeah, that's probably why the way they are. Well, I think if theory. you go into every situation, realizing that, that whoever it is you're talking to is probably an unconscious language monkey, no matter how cute she <laughs> may be, you know, uh, that, that once in a while you'll be pleasantly surprised to realize there's somebody actually thinking in there, but it doesn't happen very often, and uh, it's it's much wiser to just make the assumption that almost everybody you meet is just an unconscious language monkey, and you'll usually be right. Like I say, once in a while, but you have to stay open to the possibility that who you're talking to might not be, might actually be thinking. And, and asking interesting questions and wondering about stuff, you know. But it's a small percentage right now. It's probably around 2%, you know, something like that. I don't know what it is, really, but it's small. Yeah. Yeah, I think also society frowns on that type of thinking, too, or type of of existence, actually. I mean, if it's, if it, if you're not Einstein, then, you know, your buddies are going to think you're they're not going to like it when you're when you try to be intelligent or you try to yeah well again like i say you just uh well i guess and i did that too i mean rather than be lonely it's better to have you know that something is better than nothing at some point i came to the other conclusion it's better to be alone than to be (laughs) hanging out with people that are dragging me down and, well, I mean, and that's what I do. Right. You know, there are plenty of books, there are plenty of videos, there are plenty of ways to keep yourself busy. Meditation has been a useful part of my life. You know, quiet, being alone, thinking, reading, writing, 
that's what I did because I figured I'd rather do that. I'd rather be alone by myself with my own thoughts and spend my time with people who are airheads and aren't thinking about anything and don't even want to think about anything. Yeah, I think I disagree a little bit there. I do think a lot of us were are, were brainwashed and indoctrinated by, you know, television, blah, 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 whatever, to where we don't really, we're shut down and we don't really think at all or we don't think outside the box. And then I think there's a lot of us that do actually think and have theories and, you know, blah, 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 but they just don't fucking care. They just don't give a shit because, I mean, the rest of society doesn't give a shit. The society is... Well, you have to decide, listen, you have to decide what's acceptable for you. It may not be the same for me. Yeah. Well, well right, so that's where I'm struggling yeah. because because when well, I was but, younger, you know, I could I I still wanted, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm yeah, I, I think I'm maturing. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. You wanted I'm all that, you know, the, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's tough. I still wanted the breads and circuses and now I just kind of see I'm getting older, at least I think I'm getting more mature. So I'm less interested in the breads and circuses. Yeah, right. I got it. Well, like I say, this is a process. You're young. You've got a long time to go, hundreds of years maybe. <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to go through changes that are unimaginable to you right now. So I'm going to have to look. Is, yeah, your job is just to, to go on, you know, to continue, to have some sort of hope that maybe it's not a total waste of time, you know, and just keep going. Then do what you know what feels right for you, you know. Yeah, I'll definitely look into There's that. Not much else you can do, you know, really. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm not socialist. I'm not out there trying to persuade people or dissuade people or, you know, trying to get them to agree with me or trying to get them to see things on. In my I'll point, tell you what I'm doing. I'm out here looking for people who are already thinking like I am. Right. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. Right. I'm trying to put right. information out there so that those people who are already thinking this way will at least see that I'm here and maybe introduce themselves. Yeah, because I've had a couple of, of friends. Feet, you know, then, yep. then we have some power. Yep. I'll definitely take a look what, into what, that what, doctor. What should I call you anyway? Oh, my my real name? Yeah. Well, my my first name's Aaron. Aaron. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I've called in. I've called in a couple no, times. I, I know, but I, I you know I see iceberg written here. Oh yeah. You know, and I that's you know, hard to remember. Uh, you know, Aaron. I'll try to remember that. Uh, but you know, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's like my, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Right, iceberg is my false reality nickname that I use on the internet. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those that I use. <laughs> but Heron is my name, so. Yeah, H E R O N. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Listen, um, it's time for me to go. I it. Yep. Uh, I got to get out of here. So, Aaron, I'm really glad that we got a chance to talk again. Um, you know, just just um, keep on keeping on. You know, 
none of us know what the hell we're doing. It's all a great mystery. Everything's changing. It's going to continue to change probably even faster than it has been changing. This is an exciting, great time to be alive. And uh, who knows what's next, you know? So just keep going, man, and uh, come by and keep me informed. <laughs> yep, I'm going to take, uh, take a look into that doctor about the... Yeah, Ray uh, Kurzweil. Yep, yeah. yep, I'll read up on him and I'll... Well, just listen to it. Basically, that's a really great interview because it goes into great depth. Uh, it's like I say, it's three hours. It covers all the work he's done over his lifetime. It's a great interview. The guy that's talking to him is smart, asks really good questions, and uh, it's just a really fun uh, time. And there's a bunch of multimedia stuff, too. They show some film clips from things he's done and it's a fun program. So it's like I say it's three hours long, but it's it's well worth it. And also check out that other link I gave you to the wisdom machine. I think you might find that interesting too. Yep. I've always liked thinkers because that's where we've gotten our technology from. If it wasn't for the thinkers it. we would be um still scratching our Well, you know, if you think about it, there are, what, <laughs> almost 7 billion. You're coming up on 7 billion on the planet now. I yeah. figure probably a total of 15 billion have lived on this planet since the wow. beginning, maybe 20 billion. And probably everything that's worth anything at all of what we call reality was created by probably less than a million people. I believe it. A mil, probably a million people out of 15 or 20 billion have been responsible for everything that we call civilization and modern life. You know, most of them just, uh, you know, ate and drank and slept and shat and slept and died, and that was the end of it. They contributed nothing. Yep. Yeah, so, so anyway, listen, i got to go. So thanks, Aaron. Yep. Um, All we'll right. talk again. Bye-bye. Talk again.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.